Yeah, first thing first, Mick, how are you? I'm good. I'm okay. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm uh, doing well, so thank you for asking. Before we jump into the album, I'd like to go back just just a slight bit, because I, I find when I read about Night at the Opera, it, it sounded like such an interesting, uh, yeah, interesting project to tackle. So, so what was the motivation behind that uh, album? It's such a such a kind of out of left field, at, at least the way I. Uh, um, well, I think the one, well, at least one of the starting motivations was. Um, a search for new chord progressions. Like when songwriters are trying to write songs, they often find themselves kind of rotating around a similar structure of chords. Um, There's very common um, patterns of chords that are used in lots of different songs. Um, And it can be hard to uh, break away from those kind of patterns because they're just so useful and musical to the human ear. So I was messing around with uh, rolling dice on the top of the keyboard just to see what uh, group of numbers would come up. So like most songs use about four or five, four or five chords of the, of the key. So the dice will give you the indication is like you use chord two and then you go four and then you go five. And so during lockdown, COVID lockdown, I was watching lots of chess videos. It just happened that way that I got into this guy called Agat Matter. He was a chess, um, like a teacher, I suppose. He goes through games on multiple levels, you know, for beginners and medium and uh, experienced players too. Um, so I, I watched a lot of them. He, he, he gave lovely backstories to the different um, grandmasters that he was kind of exploring history and yeah i just uh i just noticed that there were six distinct pieces on the board so i thought why not write out the sequence of uh piece moves and see if they throw up anything um and i i kind of got into it because i had uh, a ready-made subject matter it'd be like Mm, if if it was a bobby fisher game then I could write about Bobby Fisher's life, which which is not uninteresting, you know. It's um, and the same goes for lots of the the chess champions, you know. And they, a lot of them had kind of uh, non neurotypical brains, and they were some of them are troubled characters. So, um, yeah, having subject matter to go along with um, a structure was was kind of a ready-made puzzle to solve. Um, I don't know actually if I've, if, if I happened upon any, any new great sequences. I mean, it was an awkward job really to, to try and make <laughs> sure. these things sound like songs because, because they had no choruses really to speak of because the sequences wouldn't repeat. And sure. I was trying to be, uh, I was trying to honor the games as closely as I could. So I kept, I kept to the game sequences and kind of forfeited the the usual chorus and whatever. But I, I was uh, it was just interesting and fun, kind of like puzzle puzzle work. Yeah, I haven't gone back to it since. But <laughs> I have a a friend in America, Jeffrey Martin is his name. 
and I sent him my chess album project. And like he, he wrote this kind of rebuttal song called Checkers, where he just he just uses two chords for the whole song. <laughs> and he goes kind of as like he doesn't go into any complicated thing. He just writes from the point of view of a very simple character, <laughs> even a kind of a rough dope smoking, just order pizza takeaway and watch TV kind of characters. <laughs> Deliberately dumbed down type of song, and I I really like that song. It's one of my it's my favorite. It happened from the chest. Uh, uh, yeah, it's. Uh, well, I don't know if he's released it yet or not. Well, I would love to hear that song. Uh, would be nice to hear. It. But what you mentioned, I find it the reason also why I ask about that album is um, this new album is number eight, I think. So so if you've you've written quite a few songs over the years and and, and throughout your, your creative tenure, if, if, if we could call it that. So keeping things fresh uh, must be on the top of the list of things to do whenever you start a new album. So then when I listened to uh, Good Time Charlie then, well, well was it a reaction then on, on kind of that, that very methodical approach? Uh, no, because the two things were kind of running concurrently. Okay. Uh, well, three things were running concurrently, really, because I, I was still, I was still working on the album with Susan O'Neill at the mm, same sure. time as the chess thing. And at the same time as just any other idea that was coming at the time, if it didn't fit, the, if it didn't fit the Susan O'Neill album, I would hold on to it. Okay. And I was just doing, um, I was doing a lot of uh, co-writes as well during COVID because there wasn't a lot to do so I had extra time to to say yes to a lot of phone calls and just um, well one lady in particular Anna Eggy we spoke every week and okay. we wrote lots of songs over, over the phone uh, well over something like this and uh, yeah so so like three of those songs made uh, made this album. One other chorus during lockdown with uh, Tiana Esperanza mm-hmm. made it. Um, I didn't really make a conscious decision to go any which way at all, really. Um, uh, the, I guess, and it happens most of the time, unless there's a concept involved, that once you have enough songs that you that you like, you feel as though you have an album, and you, you need to kind of um, get them out of the way, I guess, or like just uh, and move on, you know. Well, yeah. I can imagine them once, for instance, in the in the situation where you're now, where the album has been finished, and then maybe you look upon it, uh, look back upon it, and you can kind of figure out where certain songs came from. Because what, what, and I don't know if this is correct at all, but one thing that I've kind of felt during the, uh, when I got to the end of the album, uh, America's mentioned quite quite a bit on the album. Is that fair to say? Yeah, there was um, there was a guy I was talking to from the Boston Globe, and he he was wondering if I deliberately wrote the album for uh, for the Oh Boy Record Company, mm. um, but that's that's the Oh Boy thing came along afterwards. Um. Yeah, it just it just kind of happened that way, really. Um, there was a song called Minnesota that I had written and released a few years ago. Um, my manager Sheena kind of 
um, suggested that it go on the album, and I was happy to go along with that. Um, there's a song called The Fact, which is a story, which is, you know, a, kind of a semi-true story that uh, that happened to me while I was driving in America. Mm. Um I can't remember the other references. Oh yeah, there's a song. There's a song specifically about LA, um, which where I had spent some time over the last four years or so. Uh, four years ago, I, I recorded an album there and then visited there a couple of more times afterwards. Um, and that that was another co-write with a guy in Nashville. I had just returned from Los Angeles. And it was on my mind and we just started talking about it and we had a similar kind of uh, kind of a love-hate relationship with the place. And uh, so we wrote that song. Yeah. It wasn't a deliberate thing. It's like I, I sometimes when I'm doing gigs in Ireland, like I, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't play all those songs for fear sure. of like for fear of sounding uh, obsessed was America or something like that. I always have had lots of American influence on my kind of songwriting. Like that's the type of music that I grew up with anyway. Uh, and I haven't been doing uh, kind of traditional Irish stuff, you know. So sometimes I get self-conscious about that, but mm-hmm. other times, uh, uh, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter, you know. No, but that that was kind of what I was uh, noticing because some of my favorite kind of folk songs uh, are from America, and and they kind of talk about these places, like uh, "Tangled Up in Blue" by Bob Dylan. It's it's kind of this storytelling. So, uh, a song like "The Fact" kind of, to some extent, reminded me of a similar type of narrative style song that that visited all these places and kind of it felt like you were along for the journey. What what was the and then I I think I know the answer, but when you start writing, do you could do kind of feel where a song is headed, or is it kind of uh, you just let it be what it is? That makes sense. Um, <laughs> I I often have like a an idea of what the vowels might sound like. Okay. Uh, so I if I have a if I have a melody idea. I might have I might have one line uh kind of pre prepared or something, something that I want to be a part of the song or something that's going to be something to do with the subject matter overall. And then I wouldn't have much else. Mm-hmm. Uh so I'd have uh I'd be searching around for melodies and searching around for where this melody might change and I'd be kind of singing from a kind of a scatty just uh it's nonsensical, um, but it but it would have its kind of motive as well. It would like you'd be singing something and you'd be intentionally trying to place the right vowels sounds in in certain areas of the melody that they suit, or, or if there's a area of the melody that has um, that has some quick um, quick notes, for example, you might try to insert. Like something interesting there, like uh, mm-hmm. like even the word "interesting" says has a, has a quick succession of of syllables. That uh, I mean, it's ironically not that interesting a word, but um, <laughs> but it, it could also be like a couple of small words that you would need to to have there and make sense there. Right. Um, 
So yeah, there's a kind of a jigsaw puzzle to the melody that you have come up with. And if, you know, if you want it to sound like it it sounded in your head, then you have to kind of adhere to that. Those vowel sounds, those long notes suit longer vowels like A's and O's and then short notes. A's and O's are fine, but I's and E's can be kind of uh, more staccatic or something like that. Um, but it is, sorry yeah. to interrupt, but is it, is it then a tricky thing because you mentioned working on those files and kind of the, the, the way certain words, I suppose, sound phonetically. Is it then difficult to kind of puzzle it together where the words also make sense in a way? It is, but some, like sometimes you make a compromise mm. or, you know, like not every line, not every line has to be amazing from a poetic point of view. Mm. You, could, you could compromise just for the sake of the listener so that they're not having this awkward phrase in like shoehorned into the melody, even if it's, even if it makes poetic sense. Um, like, uh, I can't think of a good example really. Uh, you would often hear it in rap songs, um, to, to like one of, one of the problems I, I can only imagine rappers have is that they have so much room that they must fill with words so you you would find um uh rappers using kind of tags where they say where they say pretty much the same thing over and over again mm. just with a, a different twist on it a, a different example of this and that uh, as cleverly as they can they'll they'll use internal rhyme but they're essentially they essentially do have a, a, a kind of a a quantity problem you know they sure because they're speaking so quickly they have to they have to fit in a huge amount of uh, of um subject matter and they're not they're not really given the ch- they're not given the the place to be concise because <laughs> like, you know even though they can make great points like i, I am a fan of Kendrick Lamar and, but he he also does it like if he's making a great point about something, he will still have to give the audience a few extra examples just to finish his verse, you know. Sure. Yeah, I also think with what you mentioned, if it, if it goes by so fast, you kind of need to tag it again so it won't get lost on you because if otherwise you could miss it, you blink and you miss it, kind of thing. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, like it, it happens in it happens in folk songs as well. I suppose that yeah. you not not every line is uh is um is supposed to kind of knock you out. You know, you like you you don't want to really beat the listener over the head with you know too much um too much information. You know, mm. and then does this uh. Ch- does this process change at all when you because you mentioned working with uh, other people and writing with other people? Do you kind of let them do their own thing, or do is is it very kind of uh, yeah? How would you describe it? Very collective the way you write. Um, I, I, I often like not not in every uh, occasion but often i i do try to kind of to uh write quickly mm. and uh and then be edited by the other person perhaps um 
I do like the songs to have one voice, you know. Uh, people have very subtle differences in their way of expression, um, but you can hear it almost. If you listen to a co-written song, uh, I've noticed in a couple of John Prine songs, like you'd know what a John Prine line is. Um, he has this quirky sarcasm and this sense of humor. But he often writes songs, he often wrote songs with other people and you can hear other other narrators come in every now and again with kind of a simpler approach or a more kind of romantic or poetic approach and that line sneaks in there and then it kind of it it, it confuses the song a small bit to sure. me so i i like to i suppose i like to be selfish and and try to quarantine the the lyric part to myself when it comes to that um if like if if someone comes to me with an idea for a song and it, and if i feel like i have i can have a grasp on it i'll probably work quickly and maybe even work before the phone call okay um just so you know even if the song do, even if the other writer doesn't like my approach you know the song would still have been from there what they thought a, a good song would be so like the song in you know, in this fashion, like the song is still a fifty-fifty kind of um, uh, deal. But sure. um, but if they don't like it, you know, if they don't like what I've done, I can still have that song. Then you know that. Um, yeah. So the yeah, like the short answer is, I guess that I try to, I try to keep it to one voice as as best I can, like. Yeah, I find that very interesting because I think you're right. And then in hip hop, we talked about rap earlier, so so there it's kind of more clear when when another person is is, is rapping. But in in kind of folk type songs, it it is kind of it can be jarring if 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 the approach or or kind of the way the language is uttered is is completely different. So. Uh, one of the more interesting uh, songs to me was Old Friend because it does have this, there are kind of, how would you describe it? When your voice comes in, there, there is a different delivery, if that may, if that makes sense. Uh, what Esperanza thinks is in a certain style and then, then you come in in a certain way and then uh, kind of the ending is like the beginning again or something like that. Yeah. Um, what was the approach with this song? Because I, I really like that song and kind of the vibe that it creates. Yeah, me too. It's one of my favorite ones. Um, it, it that song came from uh, Tiana already had her part. She already had all of that idea completely intact, but she didn't know where it should go. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she essentially had two verses and this kind of uh, second idea, like a a B idea, um, and I I thought I wondered like. Because I, I, the the rhythm that she was using reminded me of of this thing that I had worked on but had never actually gotten together, which mm. which I tried to add in and she she liked. So I wrote I wrote lyrics for it that kind of like pertained to what she told me about the source of her part was, which is like this unresolved history with this other person 
And uh, so the song is like a Frankenstein of sorts. Um, mm. The There's the original song in the middle, the original story in the middle. And then I put this intro and outro, uh, which was supposed to be a kind of a spooky kind of um, thing, you know, like a, or fearful to some degree. Um, and um, it gives it a weird uh, structure, which sure. I kind of, I, I like. Um, I mean, it, feel, it does feel like it's Tiana's song because the main body of story and switch of melody is in her part. And her part is so forceful and strong, mm-hmm. you know, um, but then, I, yeah, I like I like what came around it. You know, it's like a little call and response type thing. Or so that's how it happened. The the, the ideas happened almost separately. But, uh, okay. So I, I imagine every every collaboration that you do is different. But you mentioned uh, because Minnesota is a song that that you've uh, written earlier. Um, is that why kind of it, it almost feels like a. Uh, and I uh, you you sing this is is that kind of the was was that kind of the approach to for Minnesota? Is real music dying? What even is real music, and who are we to judge that? Well, my father is a lifelong musician, and together we've been making music for over a decade. In our new podcast, we dare to ask the urgent, the weird, and the deep questions. And we have a lot of wild stories to tell. No matter what genres you enjoy, whether you're a musician, a producer, or a listener, we invite you to discover unconventional perspectives on music. So tune in and go follow Mad Makings of Music wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, well, the, because the song is so American mm. subject matter, it didn't, and and it was coming from a female point of view, saying America when I was your daughter, and now that I'm mm. your mother, um, then it, I thought it needed to be in a female voice, uh, and an American voice would be better too, as long as that particular person agreed with the sentiment. Sure. Uh, so I had written that song myself. Um, just thinking about that very thing, like what it must be like for a, a nice, wise American woman to watch her, the way her country behaves and the way her country is portrayed and viewed by the rest of the world. Mm. Um, and how do you hold on to whatever uh, national pride you might have? Uh, how do you kind of how how do you rationalize it? Um, mm. So I was glad that Aeneas agreed to do it because it it has kind of more weight in her voice. Um, it, in my voice, I think it would have just sounded like a, like I said before, like a kind of an odd over interest in another country. Sure. You know, talking about uh, this is maybe a weird segue because uh, talking about national pride, you mentioned earlier that you that sometimes you feel perhaps a little bit self-conscious of not uh, having done the traditional Irish thing uh, enough, perhaps. I, I don't know how you see it exactly. But is that something that you think about, that, that 
because uh, obviously Ireland, uh, Ireland has this huge uh, rich culture of, of music and folk song and I mean I, I grew up with it uh, because my grandmother was Irish so I, I know a bunch of those is it important to you to or do you think about it uh, often to, to perhaps do an album in traditional Irish style or uh, I have thought about it because there's some players here in Ireland that I really do like um, from a musical point of view. And I have thought about writing songs that would suit that style so that I could ask these players if they would join me. Mm -hmm. um, um, in general, like it's uh, like there's a... Um, a certain, like a certain amount of people will enjoy uh, like an, an authentic voice uh, someone that is uh, singing in their own accent and uh, singing about their, their their own life experiences or their neighbors local neighbors life experiences sure. um, it's it just was never part of uh my growing up with music okay so when i was listening to songs or the songs that my mother or my mother's family were listening to they were like they were kind of like john prine songs or bob dylan songs or songs that would live in kind of anyone's voice mm. and um be still make sense and still be empathetic um it's it's just a kind of a, a stylistic choice really um okay. Uh, like I, I do feel embarrassed, all right, by my earlier albums, and maybe even I'll still be embarrassed about the ones I'm making now later on, um, because I, I've never had, I've never used my own kind of uh speaking voice or accent. I never, I just, it never, it never felt natural to me in 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 a strange way. Um, but I do, I do notice how often or how close I was to trying to imitate Tom Waits when I first started singing. Um, and now that's, that embarrasses me a bit. Um, but, um, I just, uh, I, I don't know. I just forgive myself and move on. <laughs> yeah, you have to, you have to, but I, I do find that interesting. And I think what you mentioned kind of, the, the way I see it, the plight of somebody like you who is very creative, you'll always have doubts, right? There's always like, oh, I, should, I could have changed this. Maybe I should have done things differently here. Maybe I should have gone in a different direction. You think, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the, I, yeah. yeah, that's kind of the plight of the, the creative, the way I see it. Yeah. Well, you know, I general, in general, I, I kind of only, I only do what I like anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but that's good to hear. Um, yeah. Kind of to round off then, because the the notion of good uh, good time Charlie, this this almost kind of happy go lucky guy who's in pursuit of just just fun. Um, it, it's such an interesting th uh, the way yeah, it's such an interesting concept these days because I don't know that many people anymore who are those happy go lucky type of people. How did this? Um, yeah, this overarching kind of feeling enter into the album. Um, I, maybe it's just because I'm getting getting older and taking myself less seriously or something. Mm -hmm. uh, there could be an element of 
wanting to enjoy the gigs a little bit more that I, I, I kind of deliberately wrote a few songs that would uh, feel good to play live okay. and uh, feel would a bit more add a bit more energy to what the band is doing and what I'm doing and um, and uh, just be it take 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 life a little less seriously you know uh, yeah I mean I sometimes have noticed that like nowadays with the amount of news and the amount of information that people are bombarded with constantly that they they can feel a bit disillusioned and and uh, like powerless um, and maybe sometimes people forget how to just have fun just take it easy you know sure um, yeah. What for you is then is being on stage is that kind of the pinnacle of 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 enjoyment for you? Uh, I enjoy it, uh, especially playing with my the people in the band, which are good friends of mine. Sure. And we have, we have uh, kind of a, an unawkward relationship with you know whatever's going on, um, but. In general, no, I suppose uh, my favorite part is the kind of creative part and okay. searching around for something new with melody and words. Um, that's that's what I enjoy the most is, is, is the process of creating a song. Um, when I, I kind of like half, half finished songs because they're like friends running around in my head that I'm trying to put their you know put them in i don't know put them in their sunday best i don't know what i don't know what the, the right analogy is but um but yeah they're like a little crossword puzzle i'm carrying around with myself yeah i find that very interesting because um yeah some puzzles get get made some eventually you end up don't do amazing so it's a, do do you have like a whole whole uh, hard drive full of uh, song ideas then i have um uh, uh, like i might revisit some old stuff if it kind of pops back into my head something okay. unfinished i don't i don't generally scroll back through okay. it would use it would be in my phone uh, the voice memos of my phone if I'm on a long flight, I might go back through them and see if there's anything, anything that I should work on. But um, mm. but usually I'm still just messing around, uh, two or three times a day with an instrument to to see if I can get anything new. I I would usually have two or three things that I'm trying to hack away at and find a good avenue down, you know. Mm. And this is. A this is the last question. Is this a is this a continual process then? Because I can imagine once, uh, kind of as you mentioned earlier in the interview, once you have a selection of songs and you kind of feel okay, this is all right to bring out, you just kind of do it. But that that craft keeps going, right? So so, how do you identify then what you're? Well, that's not the right way to phrase it. But how how do you kind of figure out? Okay, this one I'm I'm writing with a pur purpose, and this one. Will p potentially end up on an album, or is that only near the end that you know that? Well, I guess you're always trying to make it as 
something that will be enjoyable to other people okay okay um or useful to other people in some way um and then you'll you'll have varying degrees of success with that the song you might finish the song and play it to yourself 10 or 15 times or one upon recording it at the studio you might listen to what you have 20 times and and realize this song doesn't survive more than 20 listens so it's it's sitting next to songs that you, you feel will survive more than 20 listens so you have to put it aside and say oh well that one isn't doesn't have a certain thing about it that will that will sustain it or so, uh, you know i think i have a lot of those songs um okay. which yeah um yeah, so that's that's one that's one method of of choosing. I, I, I think that's a, that's a good test to to put uh, the songs through. Um, Mick, may I thank you so much for talking to me? Uh, as always, thank it's been a pleasure. And uh, yeah, nice to see you again.